Hi there, skating fans. Welcome to another edition of the Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. Hello, alumni and skating fans. I'm Alex Kilby, Skate Canada's Technology Projects Manager. And today it's my pleasure to introduce this month's blog. Of all the individuals who have contributed to skating in Canada and around the world, few have the incredible experience of Benoit Lavoie. His skating career began as a competitor, but it was his commitment as a volunteer which gave him the greatest satisfaction. National, international, and Olympic judge, past president of Skate Canada, and now a council member of the International Skating Union, Benoit shares his adventures with alumni chair Debbie Wilkes in this first edition of a two-part conversation. Let's join Debbie as she and Benoit reflect on some skating history. Benoit, you have had such a long and wonderful career in figure skating. We probably know you best, uh, in Canada at least, as one of our premier and, and most respected judges, but also as a past president of Skate Canada. But I want to go back. I want to go back to the very beginning and hear about how your love affair with skating started. Fill us in. Well, it's, um, it's funny that um, you're asking me this question because for me it seems that it's been so long ago, but at the same time it seems to be so fresh in my memory still. Um, I, I started to be involved in skating at first because, first of all, they constructed an arena, you know, in my backyard, in my hometown called Bay Saint Paul, a very small town. And then at that time, of course, I was only skating outside because I come from a family of seven, uh, seven boys, and then everybody played hockey. And then, but it was always outside. But that was a big event, this huge, big arena for me that they were, they were gonna the construct. And 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 all of my friends at the time. We were all doing music together. I was in the drum corps that we, we talk, we, that's the expression we use. And then uh, they all switched to figure skating or hockey because there was this new arena. And I was the only one who stayed behind. And for the fun of it, I started to go and, and watch them and see them uh, at the rink and all of a sudden, there is something that happened. I wanted to be on the ice, but with my parents, they had made a decision that, you know, you get involved in one thing for one year, then you have to wait and finish it first, and then next year you'll decide because you can't do both because it was time-consuming in school and so on. So through that whole year, I was watching them on the ice, and I was trying to repeat those movements that I had no clue what it was, but I knew it was jumping, and I had a lot of energy, so I was playing on the ground and trying to, to do uh, jumps, double jumps, and whatever, so I learned all my jumps, I think, uh, by the help of my friends, of course, on the ground, and I was doing them, and then it took a year before I was able to wear some skates, and then to tell you the, the passion, how it happened really, I went for the first time on the ice with figure skating blades. And after, and then we, we didn't have school at that day, so we were allowed to stay at the rink. So for seven hours, I stayed at the rink. And at the end of the seven hours, I landed my first axle. <laughs> so the technique, but the, tec 
technique was so bad, and, and I always laugh about this because, you, you know, I used to say to my coach, well, it's my fault because, you know, my technique is so bad because I learned it the wrong way and I stayed with that, with that problem and I was not, you know. So we laughed about this because I was not learning it properly. I was on my own, and that's why I understood that I needed a coach in my career <laughs> to be able to kind of um, stay involved. But I was very passionate for day one. So, How old so would that, you have been? How old were I was, you at this time? Yes, I was 13. I was 12 when I saw skating for basically one of the first time. And it, I, was thir- I just turned uh, 13. And at that same time, I have to say something, that always, I always had it in my mind that the, there was this, this um, magazine called Canadian Skater. That was uh, because I was registered through my club, and then we were able to kind of, um, you know, to to buy this magazine that we were receiving uh, every uh, every month or so. I don't re- recall how many issues they had a, a year. And then I started to to be like dreaming just through those pictures about these people that I was seeing in the magazine. I'm talking uh, even like from the, the Brian Orsers, all the names that were around in those years, because it was in 76, and I was, and I was trying to learn, and I was watching the costumes. I was mesmerized by this all the time. I was, it was like a big, and, uh, a big dictionary of, of words or things, and it was all in English, and I was not speaking English at that time. And I was trying to figure it out, the words. So I think I got hooked by the images, and then uh, later on with Olympics on TV, because 76, uh, you know, there they were the Olympics. And then this is how I stayed hooked, and then it never, never changed. The passion has always been there. So it it wasn't just the movement, it it was music, it was costumes, it was the whole artistic side that you yes. found most compelling? Yes, it was all the outside side because I realized that, you know, there is the athletic side of the sport, but for me, what really, really, you know, hooked me into it was really the people, the names of the people even, and then I, I, I don't know, but I kind of, I felt over the years that I discovered some, that my memory was not so bad to remember those names, those faces, the outfits, the colors. There was a texture to the skating on, that I could see on the magazine that later on, you know, of course, I saw at events, I saw on TV through to, uh, to, to TV shows, competitions, Johnny, saw you actually, and everyone trying to, getting to know these people. And for me, there is one thing very important. I, I dreamed big, 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 big from the beginning. I always wanted to be, it was like I belonged to these people or I would like to be part of it, but a bit like not saying that I'm a good skater because I, I was not the best skater at all, but just to kind of have a taste to at least maybe dreaming to meet one of those skaters. I remember uh, hearing about Tracy Weinman, who was quite a phenomenon. She, she was amazing at that time, very young. All those um, images that represented, they were connected to some specific names that later on, for whatever reason, I was able to meet in person, and then the the dream became bigger and bigger and bigger. And one thing came very, very quickly in my very soon in my mind was the fact that this was going to be part of my life. And I said, even if I dream Olympics, I was only thinking about wow, what an event it would be if you know I would be be there or experience it or feeling it. So I had this thing that I felt that I belonged there and that, that, that there was no question that one day maybe I would, I would get the chance to meet some people. So then what happened? You had, uh, obviously your imagination had been um, 
grabbed and mm-hmm. you've started to see your role on the ice. Talk us yeah. through your competitive years then. You started very yeah. late and so you yes. must have made very rapid improvement. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, because I was a boy, I think we had better chances, okay? It was easier for a boy right. to, because, you know, we used to go in competitions, and, and there was, at that time, a lot of attention that was given to us, because they wanted to keep us, and who knows, because I liked dance, I liked pairs, I, I tried a bit of everything, and for me, I remember that some people had mentioned that I might have you know, some, some talent in the fact that I was learning quickly the jumps, okay? Yeah. And as far as the artistic, it was not so much the refined movements and everything, but I think they, they thought that I had some personality on the ice. And for me to be able to express myself that way, uh, it meant the world to me. So, so it was not easy, it was not hard for me to kind of what we call now to perform because I was always, uh, I was always, it was always on joy, on, enjoyable. I always had fun on the ice. And that probably is one of my, uh, one of my character, like to, to, because I like to have fun. For me, the sport is, the passion always equals fun. And even if we work really hard, there is always a benefit at the end that is not, it's not the way, it's not the medal. It's never been for me the medal, but it was for me to do it with integrity and then to, to learn and to be educated with, with, with this. With, with, with skating. So I took it very, very seriously. I started to develop. And because we were not so many in our categories, I was late, as you mentioned. So I was doing all my tests. So I was basically what we called at the time a test skater. And all of a sudden, my technical abilities became a bit equal to the novice or junior men category when the competitive test started to be implemented. So they said, why don't you switch to the competitive rank and maybe try your junior competitive test? And as you know, you know we were, there was a mix of uh, figures, uh, elements, and then the free program. And what I've always been able to kind of um, do a little bit better was always the free program. I, I was always used to come from behind. I was very poor in school figures. And then the short program and free program when we were doing competitions, even if it was in the official categories that were, because I, ne- I was not allowed until I passed my junior test to be allowed to go to sectionals, for example, and divisionals and then Canadians. So through the qualifying round, uh, system, uh, I was not allowed that. So they said, why don't you try it? Because we don't have so many boys and maybe that would keep you in. And there was a lady, and I want to mention this right at the beginning, because there was a lady, uh, her name was Mrs. Eva Finley. She was in charge of the judging, the judges, the, 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 there was an accelerator program for judges, who was watching all the competitions, invitationals, and so on. And then when I passed my junior test and was allowed to, to compete for the first time in the official categories, which was 1983, uh, and I was 19 years old at the time, so it took me between 13 and 19 to be able to be allowed to compete like in a real competitive stream. Then she, she, I, I, she happened to be in a competition, and then she said they saw that maybe I had some, some talent, but she saw that maybe with the personality that I have, if I would probably not choose to be a coach, maybe they could recruit me as a judge. So, so this is how early it started with the judging part. But for me, I did in 1983 my first sectional. I came second, but we were, we were about six, so there was not a big, not a big number. I went to divisionals, and I did very well. I came, I came third. 
And I went for the first time at Canadians. Uh, sorry, and I didn't go to, to, to Canadians. I went to Canada Games because it's, it was the year of the Canada Games. And I, I didn't qualify for Canadians because I was seventh at, at, at divisionals in the juniors. And then I went to Canada Games. But Canada Games, they were in Chicoutimi in Quebec. And then this is how I started to really enjoy competitions. And all of a sudden, I came second, as a surprise even to myself, to Jamie Eggleton, who was such an established skater at the time with so much talent. He was so great. And I came second after him. And for me, this is, and, and, and there was, the funny part was that in those years, you were doing one, I landed my first triple lutz that day. And then I think it was, we get carried away so much by the crowd that technically I wasn't good, but, but as I said, the personality helped me to go, to go through it. And then I had a medal at the national level for the first time then. It was my first year being involved in the competitive stream. Not a big, big achievement, but for me, it was the world. I mean, this is where I met Mike Slipshark. This is where I started to see those names that represented something for me way back when I was you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. And then for me, it was like, wow, I'm part of that group, but never in a way that I was going to lead the group. But to be part of it, for me, it was a dream come true. And I kept dreaming and dreaming and and we know the rest. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the rest. But I think uh, a lot of our listeners, uh, a lot of our fans may not know your skating history, like your athletic history. So it's wonderful to understand um, the power of uh, commitment and hard work. Mm -hmm. And uh, to use your word, the dreams that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I was kind of the same, not the best skater, but I, I sure loved performing. And yes. uh, the combination of all the things you've talked about, um, mm -hmm. being able to be yourself and express yourself, yes. I think is one of the greatest gifts that skating gives us. Well, you're right. And for me, there was a sense, uh, you know, through skating, especially when you were a boy, I have to mention this, um, you gain a lot of self-confidence when you respect your identity, where, where you, you know that education is important. I mean, there are things in life that we learn sometimes the hard way, but it was not my case because I felt that I was carried with people. Uh, people cared. You know, it, it was because I, was, I didn't have the best, I was not the most confident person. But through skating, I learned to, be myself, but also to respect the rules, to respect, you know, the, the, the system. And also, one of the reasons why I became an official, it's really that the values of the sport, and I have to say that I've, I have been so proud, always so proud of those values that we have at Ski Canada, because for me, it was really like the basic of the ethics to respect others, to, uh, if you have a talent, to give back. These are all the things that my parents, I was taught for, you know, I was taught to, to, to about, about those values. But everything matched with Skate Canada's values as well. Without realizing it, when you're a teenager, you don't think about these things. But, but as it came along, the level of responsibility I had uh, that I developed uh, towards the sport or our sport of figure skating, it made me respect it even more. And now, and I'll share with you, I don't know if it's, it's too early to do this, but I will share with you the turning point in my life as a skater that, that became my, 
be, became my line through all my involvement in skating. And this was a turning point because I made the decision and I was clear on why I was doing this. We go back in, in 1984, actually, I think 84, 84 or 83, 84 or 83, but what happened, you know, I've always been for fair. I've always, always, always carried on a hat where fair, to be fair is very important in life. If something is not fair or if you made a mistake, you apologize for it. If you didn't make a mistake, you know, I learned sooner than later that because we are, it's a judge sport that you have, you have to accept at some point, the result that you've been given. And that it might not be perfect all the time because you have other human beings behind the marks and you have other people. There are so many factors. And I remember Jamie and David at the Olympics in 2002 where they said there's, we decided to be in a sport that is judged. It's because there is subjectivity. But for me, my main point was really let's try to be so fair and so honest with everything, that if everyone thinks the same way, they're prob we're probably going to always come with the right result at the end. And for me, that's why I think it's a collective effort or a collective result. That's why it's good to have many people, because you might make a mistake, you might be tired, you might miss something. We are human, and we will never change that. If I accept this, and if I train myself to be like a computer in a human, bride, in a human mind, well, maybe I have a chance to kind of deserve to be part of the judging world. So this is, you know, this is where I made my, 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 my decision because what happened, I went to an event and maybe at that competition, I should have won. People, you know what? It's always when people are in the stands, oh my God, you skated so well. You should have won. You should not have been a third or whatever. And people were complaining about the results. And I, and I really, really believed that I, I, was, I, I should have been first. But I never said a word. I congratulated my people. I said, you know what? It's the result. We have to accept it. I didn't care about my own result. The following year, it was now, remember, it was 1984. I was the, I was the favorite for the event. Junior men champion of Quebec, which is probably would have been the biggest uh, achievement in my career. Okay? It's not a big one, but for me it was, can you imagine that at 13 years old, I would never ever even think about being a section champion uh, in, in a category? Never. But for me it was, a, again, a dream come true. And during that event, I, used, I told you I, was, I used to be very good in the free program. And then so I always came from behind. So this time I was third in figures. I do the short, I win. I win the short. I'm, I'm, I'm a first uh, overall. And then we go to the free program. Everybody took for granted that, yes, it's going to be a given. He's, he's much stronger. I bomb. I didn't skate well at all. And I still won. And then I was so disappointed because I, I remembered my reaction. I was so disappointed to win. I could not believe that I had won, and then it was my dream. I, I, I felt I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't touch my dream. I, just, I was given a gift, and I, I, I had so much problem to accept it, that I wanted to give my medal to the, to the other competitor, and then it created a big chaos because, you know, the, the, I, you know I, was, I was confident enough to, to recognize that, that I didn't deserve it. And then the, it's someone who took me aside, and, and with Mrs. Finley and everything, they said, you know what? This is what it is. This is the example of learning to accept what, what is given. Maybe today you feel you didn't deserve it. It's not your fault. You're not the one who decided. So yeah. take it and then, you know, move, move, move on. But then I, was, I started to be so uh, into judging because for me, 
really honestly i've always thought that the those skaters they work so hard if i if i can train myself to be the most objective person maybe one day i could show that judging has credit as credibility and i would be part of it and only if i deserve if i don't have it i don't do it right please clean me off the list and then we'll forget about me i'll do something else because i knew then that i was going to be involved in the sport for the my, my entire life do you um, as a skater, had you really started to uh, invest time in the whole judging aspect? Or would yeah. you say that this particular moment, you described it as a turning point, was that when you went, I can be part of something even mm -hmm. bigger here? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you how it happened. I started to touch the world of, of judging through that accelerator program that was driven at the time by Mrs. Finley. We are in 1981. In my, this situation that I told you about not ex feeling that it was not fair and I wanted to give back my was in 84. So I had a sense of what judging was, but I didn't have a sense of, I didn't make the difference between best judges, competitive judges, and so on. After that, when it happened in 83, when, and Mrs. Finley talked to me, uh, I, the, the thing that they wanted me to, they were afraid that I was going to become a coach. They wanted to pull me through the judging, and then they say, because I was going to school, and I, I knew way back that I was going to be involved in the sport, but I never wanted to depend on the sport for a living. So I said, if I want to enjoy it, it has to be by choice and it has to be as remaining volunteer. And I was trained to be, because way back, being volunteers like for, was days long and I was in the rinks all the time. So for me, this part was clear. But when, I, when it happened to me, that situation where I wanted to become very, very um, fair and, and do it right, for me, it's really after when I did my last, last competition ever, which was in 1987 at Canadians. That was my last Canadians as a senior skater. It's the year that I came ninth in, in senior men. And Brian also won. And that's, that's the first year that Brian won Worlds in 1987. I think it was in Cincinnati, or if that's I recall. Right. But, but yeah. yeah, Canadians was in Ottawa. I ended up ninth. I knew it was the end of my career because I was 24 at the time and going to 25. And then I wanted to, I, had, I, I, I was at school. I had done, you know, my master's degree. I was finishing a master's degree. And I, I, I had some jobs opportunities and we were in January and I said okay that's the last one but for me at that moment I don't know what happened but I went onto the ice and judges were put in, in boxes in separate boxes and there was a judge on the left that I still remember it was and she was and for me I looked at her and I said I, I know this one and I was trying to you know I told you about my story but I wanted to know the names wanted to and it was Debbie Islam. Debbie Islam was all over, like when I was young in, in, the, in, the, skate, in the Canadian Skaters magazine. I knew, I even learned what boots they were wearing, what the Canadians were, what color they had to dress. I don't know what, how I developed that picture memory, but, but I kind of saw that thing. I said, oh, can it be? Yes, I think it's her. She was wearing a white shirt with a small black bow tie. And I said, oh, I said, I want to be like her. And all of a sudden, she became my model for whatever reason. I never talked to her. And I said, oh, my God, she was a skater. I saw her in the magazine. She's on the, wow, that would be great if I could judge, you know, because I know that 
my skating will be over. Maybe I can, maybe I can be her. And I, so I did my performance, and I ended up, and I said, I need one day to, to, to meet her or whatever. So, so I, this is how I started to say, okay, let's finish this, and let's go into judging, and let's see if I have a chance to become a Canadian judge, you know, a national-level judge. But at that time, I still had that dream about Olympics, and I said, you know, I knew that you need to deserve these positions, and I knew that I needed to work really hard to be a good person, to be a good judge, and also I learned about credibility. Because when you skate, you know. You know when it's, you're well judged, or you know if, it's not, if you're not well judged. And then I started to look closer at those protocols. Who, 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 would, who, do, who do I feel like I'm judging like? You know, I was comparing myself. I was playing, I was judging for myself, watching videos, and, and I was really, really, really into this, but I wanted to become the best judge that, that they would have ever had. And in Quebec, they never had an international judge, and that became maybe a possible objective to become maybe an international judge one day. But I say this with a lot of humility because I said, I don't know. I might not have what it takes. And in Quebec, it seems that, you know, we're not probably, <laughs> we're not really good enough because we don't have any. So they probably think that, you know, Quebec, we need to be better and then to learn. But I, I, I went through that path and then all of a sudden it changed and I became involved. Well, I think in choosing someone like Debbie, as uh, a role model, boy, you, you couldn't have made a better choice. Um, former mm. Canadian champion, um, so well-educated and schooled, not just in skating, yeah. um, one of the fairest judges ever. And I know yeah. a couple of times I have gone to her to say, "Why? Well, what's up with this result? And... I would say without a pause, she has, much like you, she has always been able to tell me exactly why mm -hmm. she voted yeah. the way she did. Yeah. And, and oh, that, yeah. that is a, a testament to, as you describe, credibility, uh, yeah. fairness, knowledge, love of the sport, um, yeah. a great role model for sure. Yeah, well, have you, oh yes, have you, for me, yes. Have you, yeah, and sorry. she... Is she aware of this story? Yes, she's aware because there is, an, there is one thing. So that was the, the incentive, I would say, that it was like for me the, the reality of the dream of seeing someone on the picture become a judge. Maybe I could be like her. The inspiration, the inspiration the, yeah, I was inspired by Debbie. Mm -hmm. But remember, not speaking English so well, uh, I knew all the work I had to put on because, you know, it's like I said, it, it, it's, a, it's part of the reality and I have to, to learn and to do the, the, my basics and so on. But I have to connect to you another part of that story to where it became tangible, where I felt that I could invent, there is a way, there is a path to use to be able to become, because you can dream about something and have no ways to, to, to you, and, can, and not finding any ways on any tracks to take to, to get there. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was a bit in the, uh, lost in that land because, in, as I said, in Quebec, we didn't have any, but we had a camp where they invited, and that was Jean Dussault who was the section chair at the time, and it was in 19, I think it was in 1989, because I finished in 87, 1989, they did something for younger judges to, because they were, we were trying to develop those officials, and that's why we, had, we were allowed to have this accelerated program. But then we had a lady who came to entertain us to 
tell us what it was to be an international judge. So that was then the closest, uh, the closest I was getting to someone who was part of the dream that I had, who had already been there. And she was speaking French, and it was Sally Rourke. <laughs> and because she was, and I said, my God, maybe I speak French, maybe I have a chance. And then she was, of course, perfectly bilingual. She came from, you know, New Brunswick at the time. Now she's in BC. And then she became the the role model to to tell me if I was on, I could access to that track. And for me, she was so inspirational. I mean, she inspired me so much during that seminar that I went to where I kept asking questions. And she was, taking, she was giving us examples about that when she was going to events. In, I remember in East Germany at the time where the wall was still on and, 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 and talking stories about Russia. And, and for me, it was, it was, you can imagine probably the, the part of the dream, there was another component added to it, which was the travel, which was, the, oh my God, and they pay your expenses to do this, really? And then, then you can be cho- chosen to go to events. Then it became, all of a sudden, there, was, there were steps that, could, that I could see, that I could climb, and then work, and, and have a goal each time, and see if my potential could reach up to that level. So now I, there was a possibility if I, was, if I was good enough to be picked, because it's always, you probably heard that from me many times, to be involved as a volunteer, and especially in those key, key roles, it's a privilege. It's always, you always have to consider that it's a privilege, and you should never, never, never have any expectations. You should work and accept what you have because you're a volunteer. It's, it's not like if you're paid. It's not like, and there was a reason why I didn't want to become a coach because I didn't want to depend and, on the living from skating. I wanted to give back and then to, 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 be, to, to be granted, uh, you know, the, the opportunity to, to do something, but it's on merit and, it's, and, it's, and you need to show that you are good. And, and, and my, my last thing about this thing that I connect to this, it's the credibility factor. I never thought that being, because when I was judging, I hated to do mistakes. And I did. I did many mistakes. I mean, it's part of the process. I always said to myself, if I do mistakes in judging, I will go and I will tell the, the athlete. And I will go and talk to, the, to, to apologize if I made a mistake. I, to me, in my book, I had to be that honest. The same thing if I knew that I was, uh, had the right result and I was maybe you know, not in line with, the, with what happened. I have to be honest and at least to provide some feedback to explain because they will tell me if I make sense or not. And then together we can discuss and both of us, the coach, myself, and the, even the athlete, maybe we will understand better. And that will, that's going to make me better to, for the next time to make sure that I, I perform better. But I never thought by doing that that I was gaining credibility because I said to myself, if I feel that I have to apologize at every competition to everyone, it means that I'm not in the right place. So I said, if, if, if it happens and I do it, it's because I want to be respected for what I'm doing and I want to be respected if I go and apologize because I really feel that way. But at that time, the judging world was very close and then people were not used to do this. Even th- with my peers, I was not perceived, I was a bit odd <laughs> compared to other ones. But for me, it was really the athletes. For me, it was, I was there, I knew what it was when you deserve it, you don't get it, and all these things. But I think if we want to give the sport what it deserves, and if we want to have the media, later on I learned about this, if we want to make it a good show, and it, we, if we want to make it worth to be part of the sport, 
we need to be accountable. And this is how I took it very seriously. And really, honestly, I never had any expectations, but I've been lucky enough because I probably because they felt that they needed to maybe want finally have someone from Quebec to be an international judge. And I said, maybe it's a gift. I don't know, but, but I will try to do my best. And this is how I started. And I was maybe, I was a bit different, but at least they, they paid attention and it looks like that it was okay. And then I started. And then I, and this is how I started to be, to be a, a judge at the national level. And I started to go very quickly, even to a, to a time that I said, stop, it's enough. You're giving me too many promotions. I need to experiment. I need to do more because I've always thought in my mind, you need to develop your standard and you need to see all the levels all the time. You need to make, if you want to be the best, you need to really, really understand from the pre-juvenile, juvenile, obviously. It, it, it's, for me, it became, I felt it was easier to judge international without knowing about the pressure, which is another part of the, the reality. But I always thought that you need all the levels and the standard, if you want to develop, you need to be able to understand each standard because it was the old system with, with specific marks. And this is how I, I developed through the ranks to become uh, an international judge later on. I think for me, uh, and we've worked together off and on for many years, mm -hmm. traveled together, um, I would have to say if I can try to be impartial. You were one of the officials that made it top of your priority list to be part of the skating team. It used to be, mm -hmm. you've sort of referred to it, the judges were one side of the barrier and the skaters and coaches were on the other. I saw your work as trying to bring those different mm -hmm. sides, if yeah. we can call them sides, together so that yeah. that uh, makes it better for everyone. It's certainly better for the sport. The skaters and coaches aren't working in in isolation, um, yeah. nor nor is the official. We should be all mm -hmm. part of the same thing. And I always yeah. felt that that was your goal. Well, uh, for me, I don't know. I, I feel that there are some things that when you melt them together, they make sense. I've always thought that you know, I was thinking about that big dream to be part of the sport and to be allowed to be part of the sport because you work hard and you want to, you want the right for everyone helped me a lot. That's one thing. The other thing is that I always, even if it's an individual sport, I've always learned very early in my development that the team aspect of it, I, it became very clear for me that it was really rare, it, or it was, become, it was going to become really much difficult to, where you will see a coach alone with a student and then to take him, to be one person to help one, one kid to, to go up to the top. I realized that if we sit, stick together with different expertise and with different, but with the same goal, the same dream that I talk about, then we can make it almost like a family. And this is how I, I started to, to use the word family, the skating family. Because you know what, when we spend so much time all together, whatever, it could be at an event, it can be through many different uh, rinks that we do all the weekends. I, I, I used to calculate the number of weekends, not, not to take uh, pride of this only, but, but to say, look at how many weekends I, I, I spend in a rink. I loved it. It was not to, to, to count it. It was only to realize how much, inten how intense I was, but I wanted to make it 
a good experience because you know if we if we work and then we know that it's stressful we want to develop if we don't have the motivation and if it doesn't come from what you've been inspired from then it has no meaning and for me all through that like all through these times the Debbie Islam that I, I met the the uh, the Sally Roy that all of a sudden I became a colleague maybe not at the same level at the beginning of course but they were all my reference and they all helped me to be a better person, a better judge. And you know what? There is one thing I've always, that's a, the first speech, I, I, first sentence I think I, I had when I did my first speech as a as Kid Canada president. There is a place for everybody who wants to belong to this family. And it, it regardless of the competitive aspect of it, the participation aspect, I felt and I said to people, you know what? I am a real product from the clubs. You know, from a small town boy who had a big dream that it was probably impossible to realize it, but I stayed realistic, I worked hard, I took feedback, I needed other people. I am here today, as I said, because of you. It's not, my, it's not, it's not me alone that became, you know, in that position. And it becomes, all of a sudden, it became such an honor to serve the organization and not the opposite to feel that you're because you know sometimes we get confused a lot with leadership and and then also but th there are many ways to to lead and for me i've always said to, i always said to myself i can uh, i can only be good as the team has been uh, as the team behind me so it became much more important for me to have the right people working with me than only me at the top who was only you know acting as president or being the visible part of it because you know what it's it's behind the scene that everything happens. This is where we construct the, the strong people, the ability, and this is where everyone do this for, well, has to do this for the right reason for the kids. It's when we see all those little kids on the ice. It could be a, a flower retriever. It could be the, even the Zamboni man. I mean, we, we, use, we want to incorporate them in our own family. We, know we, we, want, we are very inclusive, and in Canada, I'm very proud to say we're probably the best in the world with any national federation or any international federation. I think we, sh we set the, the bar really high because we have the personality to do it. And why don't, why can't, why don't we show it? You know, we should show it and then we should be accountable for it. And this is where you know, I learned to be responsible. Uh, of course, as I said, I'm, I'm far from being perfect, but at least nobody could take away my, my objective or my feeling to, to do this for the right reason. And it was tough sometimes. But I had the right people, and I always trust people who said to me, listen, Benoit, we're going sidetrack here. You need I had people that were so tough with me because they liked me so much that today they're the ones that I'm thankful for. You, you're no, you don't get there because you're good or, or only, only because you're good or you're nice or whatever. It's because you need those strong feedback sometimes, and you need to must the most important thing and and be beyond well beyond everything is the respect that you should have for the individuals first and then after that you look at the business and for me may i think maybe it worked but you know i think i feel that i was not the only one and the success we had during my time it was definitely i was not the one the only one to create it even if I, the image was there it's the whole team and i will never have a, 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 i will never have a sense of fulfillment like that in anything in my life uh, compared to those years when i, I was president of Canada, for example
hope you're enjoying this conversation between Debbie Wilkes and Benoit Lavoie. Benoit has so much more to tell us that we've decided to split this conversation in two, so we hope that you'll join us next month for the second part. If you want to make sure you don't miss it, or any of our other episodes, make sure you subscribe to automatically see each new episode as they're released. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, just by searching for Skate Canada Alumni Podcast. You can also sign up for email updates on the blog at alumni.skatecanada.ca. Thanks once again for joining us. All of us at Skate Canada hope you're enjoying your summer, and we'll look forward to joining you on our next episode.